Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome to Stevens Creek. Who's pumped to be here today, this afternoon? It's a lively bunch of people we got here. It's awesome, awesome. Well, welcome to Stevens Creek. And we've had a great day with our, our South Campus has been with us all day. But let's do, take a quick moment and welcome everybody who's watching us online. We're so glad that y'all are joining us there. We have people watching from all over the world, all over our country, and so it's awesome uh, that we're able to have such an impact everywhere. Well, uh, my parents are in town this weekend. My daughter, she turned eight years old, uh, or we're celebrating her eight. She turns eight tomorrow, but we, we celebrated her this weekend, and so they were in town, and my dad was telling me about one of his friends, and they're from up in Tennessee, so there's some country bumpkins up there, and, and one of his, his buddies was, was telling him about this past Mother's Day. And um, he wanted to make this Mother's Day special for his mom. You know, she kind of had a rough few months. And, and so part of his gift to her, because she was always on him about coming to church, was to go to church with her. Now, they went to a pretty, pretty traditional church up there in the hills of the Smokies. And so uh, he, he called his mom. He got a suit ready. They were ready to go for Sunday morning for Mother's Day. And he headed on out, picked her up, and, and got to church. And, and as he was walking in the front door... Um, the main usher was, was there, and he, and he stopped this man. He said, I'm sorry, sir, you can't come in. You're not wearing a tie. And this really upset uh, my dad's friend. And, you know, he wanted to make Mother's Day special for his mom, and he didn't want to cause a scene and, and just kind of ruin it all. So he asked her to just go on inside. He'd go back to his truck, and he'd try to find a tie maybe laying around in his truck or, or something that would serve that place. And he's looking around. He can't find anything. He he just can't come up with anything, and he's really discouraged, and he starts walking back to the church to let his mother know that he's going to have to go home. Uh, but out of the corner of his eye in the truck bed, he sees his jumper cables. And so, you know, the things you plug into your batteries when your car goes dead, he sees those, so he grabs them, throws it around his neck, and heads up to the front door. And he gets to the front door, and the main usher's there waiting. He's waiting just for this guy, and he looks him up and down, and he says, all right, you can come in. But don't you be starting anything now. It's only uphill from here, guys. It's only uphill from here. Well, we're starting a brand new series today called Chosen, and we're going to go through 1 Peter. And each and every week, we're going to really look at the words that Peter has for us. And, and unlike the other letters of the New Testament, Peter... Uh, that kind of write to specific churches. You know, you have Corinthians, Philippians, all those. There's to specific groups of people. Peter is really writing to uh, new believers in general. And he's writing to encourage them because it's becoming increasingly more difficult for people to live their life following Christ. There are certainly similarities that we have from that time then to today's time. And, and over the next few weeks, we're going to look at how First Peter, and see how God has chosen you, how he's chosen me to make a difference in this world. So just to give a little backstory, some context to the book of First Peter. First Peter was written by Peter. I know that's a shocker there. But he often gets a bad rap. You know, he's looked at as 
kind of this hothead, this uneducated fisherman kind of a guy. And, and, and he's really one of the sharpest guys. He's a, a very successful businessman and he lives a bold life. He's, he, he's doing a, a lot of wonderful things. He's a passionate leader uh, and, and he's living this bold life for Christ. And we actually have a picture of Peter's house here from our time when we went to Israel a couple of years ago, it's here in the, the bottom left. And, and you see in these top two pictures, the Catholic church, they built a church up and over uh, Peter's home. And there's a glass floor there that you can look down in and, and see Peter's home. And this is what it would have looked like in this corner here, uh, the bottom right. And, and you see he had property on the Sea of Galilee, you know, shorefront property. It was in the middle of downtown. Capernaum, and, and, and Peter was living life. He was a bold leader, and he was extremely successful in all he did. And, and he really tackles through this book uh, a lot of very difficult topics. He talks about uh, sanctification, the blood of Christ. He talks about the Trinity and grace, revelation. He talks about hope. Some of these topics that are, are pretty difficult for just anyone to jump into, but through this, we have two main themes that come from 1 Peter, and they're this. The first one is we have hope in Christ. And then secondly, we are chosen to be different from this world. We have hope in Christ and we're chosen to be different from this world. And, and the early Christians uh, certainly experienced this. The, this book was written about 60 to 65 AD. So we're looking at about 30 years past when Jesus is walking on the face of the earth. And, and it's during the reign of Nero. Now, if you've read up on history, if you know about Nero, he was a really evil man. He, he, he was a horrible person, and he spent his reign persecuting Christians. Uh, he, he, he hunted them down almost, and he had all sorts of special kind of evil ways that he did that. We actually have a, a picture of him behind me. He kind of looks like a really angry Ed Sheeran uh, right there. That haircut is rough. That is rough. But Nero was an evil guy. Uh, he, he killed his own mother. He killed his first wife. We think that he killed his second wife as well. Um, but he would, he would hunt down Christians in this time. And, and, and really the Roman Empire, they didn't look on Christians very uh, lovingly either. But Nero and the Senate of Rome, they had this kind of back and forth quarrel. And if you've read up on history, you've seen this. And and, and for this one period, they would not let him build the city like he wanted to build it. He wanted to tear down some buildings. He wanted to, to build it up and kind of to cement his legacy and let some buildings there be to, to, to lift up his own name. And, and they wouldn't let him do that. So what did he do? He decided that he was going to get creative. And he had some of his men go out and they set fire to the city of Rome. And for six days, they could not contain this fire. It was raging, it, was, it demolished, it destroyed all of the city of Rome and they finally got it under control and it went back up for three more days. And so everybody in Rome, the city, they were so angry with Nero. The Roman Senate, they, they knew it was him and so they let everybody know it was Nero. And, and, and Nero did uh, what any horrible person would do and he looked at who people didn't like the most and he said, oh, why don't we pick on this little group over here that everybody hates? And he blamed this fire on the Christians. And so that's who uh, Peter is writing to in this book. He's writing to a persecuted group of people, people who are kind of on the run and, and, and somewhat hiding um, because they are being persecuted and hunted down because people are angry with them. So how can we take today's message and apply it to where we are 
today. There's two groups of people that I'm speaking to directly today. And the first one is for those of us that are in this room or that are watching online that are hurting. Maybe you're going through a really tough time. You're going through a trial. You're going through financial difficulties, a job loss. You're going through relationship turmoil or some health issues. Maybe your kids have, have moved in a direction that you're just not crazy about and, and you're just so worried about them or, or you're going through your own emotional strain and you're just, you're going through a time and you're hurting. If you're going through a difficult trial, this message is for you. The second group of people that today's message is for is those of us that will one day go through a difficult time. That should be all of us, right? Pastor Marty, he talks about it all the time. You're either headed into a problem, you're in the middle of a problem, or you will be going or you're coming out of a problem. And so life can be so difficult. And, and no matter where you're, what you're going through, we want to hear from God as we go through and traverse these trials in a way that speaks to us while we're hurting. Jesus even warned us, even as God's chosen people, this series is called Chosen, we're gonna be speaking to us as chosen believers of God, that we will even experience difficult moments as well. And so we wanna use all of this context to look at this powerful book of 1 Peter. So let's dive on in. Get out your, your Bibles, take out your phones, or if you wanna follow along, on your screen or in the notes, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. And it says this, this letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people, all of those that believe in him. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Peter is writing and he's saying, I'm writing to everybody who believes in him and you're living as foreigners. Other translations say as exiles or as aliens or as strangers in this place. Peter, is, he's saying here, because you are not from here, because you are chosen of God and your, your destination is in heaven one day, because you're not from here, earth is not your home, you're not going to live like those around you. As followers of Jesus, as, as the chosen ones of God, we are not going to look like or behave like or even live like the rest of the world. Our values are going to be different. Our standards are going to be different. We're going to have different goals. We're going to be different moms on the soccer field. We're going to be different husbands on the business trips. We're going to be different students in the classrooms. We're going to be different coworkers in the boardroom. Because we are chosen, we are going to have this different kind of faith because this is not our home. And Peter speaks directly to that. And so we're going to see through this how we can have a different kind of faith even though we're in the midst of our greatest trial. So there's different kinds of faith. And we look in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. He continues on as he's writing to these hurting Christians. He says, so be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a while. In other words, God may, take, may not take these temporary uh, trials away. He may not take away the financial pressures. He may not take away your relationship issues. But he goes on to say that these trials will have purpose. He says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. So as we read that scripture, we can take that if there is a genuine faith, then there must be a false faith. 
there's a genuine faith and there, there has to be a false faith. So how can we look at that and look in our own lives and maybe see what where a false faith may be within us? Now, if you look into the, these scriptures and it's written to a group of people who certainly uh, declaring their faith in God cost them something immediately. Many of them, it cost them their lives and it cost them their homes. And we don't necessarily see that where we're at today. We live in the Bible Belt. We're in Augusta, Georgia. And so, you know, it's kind of easy to be a Christian. But around the world, it is very uh, difficult to, to proclaim your faith. We speak to missionaries that we sponsor as a church pretty regularly. And we have several that are in countries that it is illegal to be a Christian. In fact, they're there with jobs of different kinds, and they're, they're living their life, and they're going through their life, and they're sharing the gospel uh, in different kinds of ways. But if the governments were to ever find out that they were believers or that they were sharing their faith with others, they would certainly be kicked out in not-so-kind ways. I had a friend that he lived in the Pacific Northwest just outside of uh, Portland, and several years ago, he had been there for a couple of years. He was a pastor, and um, he had been there. He had been... Uh, a focal point in that community, in his neighborhood specifically, he was always hosting get-togethers. He was always uh, doing some things in the, in the community center there in their neighborhood. And, and one day, he had made really good friends with his neighbors over the couple of years that he had been there. And one day, his neighbor said, you know, we've been friends for a while. What is it that you even do for a living? And my friend, he told him, well, I'm, I'm a pastor. And from that day on, it cost him several relationships of people who, because he was a Christian, he was no longer able to hang out with their families. There are certainly places around the world that having a faith and declaring a faith in God costs you something. That's not necessarily what we're talking about when we talk about a false faith. But here in the Bible Belt, it's very easy. And, and, and sometimes we can say we're a Christian, but we're not necessarily living it out. So remember, if there's a genuine faith, then there's a false faith. Faith. And I think it's all of our greatest fears. If you're in this room, if you're watching online, you, some of your greatest fears are, am I really living out my faith? Am I really genuine in my faith? Is there something greater for me today? So there are three types of false faith that I want to talk through. And before I go further, I do want to clarify, I'm not talking in a condemning kind of way. I'm talking as someone who's traversed through each of these three different kinds of false faith personally. I've had each of every one of these in my own life as I moved into a genuine faith. And so we want to look at these and examine ourselves and how we can see, do I have a false faith and how can I get to a genuine faith? The first one is inherited faith. Inherited faith. That is our first false faith. Your mom was Baptist. Your dad was Pentecostal. You were baptized as a child. You're not atheist. You're not of some other religion. You don't, uh, you know, align with those. You're here every Easter and you're, you're here every Christmas and, and you're here throughout the year. And so, but your faith is not your own. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated baptism. It was awesome. We had almost 30 people go public with their faith at both of these campuses. And, and every time we baptize someone, we have a handful of people that will say, you know, I was baptized as a kid or I was sprinkled as a kid, but today I'm taking ownership of my own faith and I'm going public as an adult, as a new believer in Christ. And, and that's where we see someone moving from an inherited faith into a genuine faith and having their own faith. The second time, kind of false faith is a shallow faith. You know, Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 13. He shares a story of the sower, the, this guy, he's a farmer, and he's, he's going throughout his farm, and he's spreading seed all throughout his area, and, and all the seeds land on different kind of soil, and there's one soil that it lands on, and it, it's shallow, and, and the seed takes root, it starts to grow and grow, and there's a crop there, but once the, the first storm comes across, it washes the crop away, and 
because their roots were not deep enough. And the same can be said for our faith, and that's what Jesus was telling us there is, you know, we have this faith in God, and we may even stand here, lift up our hands and worship, and we have this faith in God, but the moment a tough time comes across or the moment the busyness of life comes here, then our faith is washed away, and it's because our roots and our faith was not planted deep enough. You know, some of us watching online or maybe we're in this room, uh, you know, six months from now, we may not be here. We may have disconnected from the church or disconnected from our Bible study and disconnected from our daily walk with God. Why? Because we're, we're hurting, we're afraid, we're searching, and we're looking to all sorts of other ways, but we're not able to find it because there's no spiritual power, there's no spiritual victory because our roots were not planted and planted deep enough. You know, I'm on stage every once in a while here, and so when I'm in the community, sometimes I'm recognized, and I was in a business a couple months ago, and uh, as I was speaking with a, with a lady, another person in the, in the office recognized me and said, hey, JT, you know, I go to Stevens Creek too, and start, we started a conversation, and she was like, I love the people there. They're so sweet, so thank you for being nice, everybody. You know, it's, it's just a wonderful place to be. And as we got into the conversation, it came out that she had not attended our church, and in fact, over two years. It had been two years since she connected, and they disconnected at one point because things were just getting busy with their daughters, and what a couple weeks were, began as a couple weeks, began a few months, and, and over time, it's become more than two years that they've connected. And, and so I started talking to her. I said, well, do you still believe in God? Like, where are we at in this? And she was like, oh, yeah, we believe in God. We love God. Just church has just didn't become important to us anymore. And so we've disconnected. And so I asked her, well, do you want to connect again? Are you looking to, to deepen your faith? And so I invited her here to church. I invited her to be a part of our next step class. And uh, those go on every second and third week of every month. And just looking at ways to plug in and to be around people. Because if we look to the Bible, if we look to Peter and, and all that we read in the New Testament, we quickly realize that we need so much more than just coming to church on Sunday. We have to go through our next step and connect with our serving teams, to connect with our small groups so that we're in a group of people that will help and encourage us. Maybe you've disconnected over the last year for, for, for good reason and you're just looking after your health, but you've disconnected from your groups and all those sorts of things and you're just coming back. It's time for you to plug back in. We see in the book of Acts that everybody met day to day from house to house and they met daily to encourage one another. And you may be saying, I would join a small group. I would be in one tomorrow. But there's some weird people in small groups. That's true. It's almost a, a requirement that every small group has to have a weird person or two. And maybe you're sitting here, hey, I'm in a small group. I'm in a small group. Everybody's cool in my small group. Everybody's great. You're the weird person, okay? <laughs> we, have to deal to, we have to learn to deal with weird people. We have to learn to deal with people that hurt us. So many of us fall out of connection with the church because someone else within the church hurts us because we're human, we're people. We say things and do things that we, we shouldn't. And we have to learn how to deal with real, weird people and to, to, to forgive people that hurt us. And we have to deal with things that we don't necessarily like in order to think of others first. You know, we look into this community, we see in God's word where we hang out together, we encourage one another and this is where you and I, we help encourage people and grow and keep their eye on God. You know, I heard this statement not too long ago, and it really uh, pushed me. You know, I kind of found myself going through the motions of life in this shallow kind of faith. And just kind of really life was on auto autopilot. And as I came into January, I just had it in my mind that I was going to do something about it. And I came across this statement, and it said it like this. It said, you need to take a step forward 
before the devil takes you out. You need to take a step forward before the devil takes you out. That really lit a fire under me. And, and with my men's small group each and every week, we would talk through that and how we can kind of come out of going live through the motions so that in six months we didn't find ourselves disconnected and we found ourselves in a healthy community encouraging one another. We need the strength of God's people. We need, we need to realize that church is so much more than a podcast. It's so much more than a video. It's, it's God's people living together worshiping God and going out into this world in our business places, in our schools, and sharing the love of Christ. Jesus refers to the church, the, the body that we're a part of. It's much more than this building. It's, it's who we are as people and a group. He refers to us as the bride of Christ. What level of matter? I mean, that, that says all sorts of love and care that Jesus has for the church. And if it matters to God that much, then it should matter to us, and, and we should find a way to reconnect and encourage one another towards genuine faith. The third kind of, of false faith is a conditional faith. And it's, it's, this is those of us that say, I believe in God, I believe, you know, Jesus is awesome, I love him, as long as everything's good, right? As long as everything's just clicking on all cylinders. Maybe this is you, maybe it's somebody that you know, but once the moment gets tough and everything gets, gets to moving in and they say, you know, if God were real, why would this happen to me? If God were real, why would I be going through this at work? Why would I have lost my job? Or, or why would my spouse and I be going at each other like this? Why would things be so difficult? If God was real, this wouldn't be happening to me. And that is a conditional faith and it's a false faith. And, and there are some of us that are in this room that we have a false faith. If we're honest, we're in one of these three categories and we have this false, false faith, but I believe you're here today that you can, you're going to be able to listen and challenge yourself to move in towards a genuine faith. And these trials that we're talking about in this book, they can real, reveal the depth of faith that we have. So if you're going through a difficult moment, if you're going through one of these difficult trials, maybe you're saying God is testing me right now. We're going to look at how God can use our trials to further our faith. The very first point that we have today, the different ways that God shows us about our faith is trials reveal your faith. 1 Peter 1.7 says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. I like it to say like this, a faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. A faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. And Peter certainly lives this out. You know, Peter is put on blast so many times in the New Testament. We see all throughout the Gospels, he fails time and time again. And we see Peter uh, do this. And, and let's rewind 25, 30 years before he writes this book. And he says, he's being talked to by Jesus here in Luke chapter 22. And, and Jesus says this to Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Jesus is saying Satan is wanting to test you. He's wanting to see what you're made of. He's saying, listen, wherever you're watching from, wherever you're listening from, if you're reading these words, don't ever think that, that our spiritual enemy, Satan, isn't trying to take us away from the things of God. Don't ever think that, that Satan isn't scheming and looking at ways to attack you and to take your eyes off of God. Everything is spiritual. Satan is always attacking and looking for ways. Satan is wanting to sift you like wheat. Jesus continues on here and he says, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, you're going to fail. That's okay. But when you've repented, when you've regrouped, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. 
So Peter, you know, he's being talked to. Jesus is talking about all the times he's failed. But when you do, turn back, regroup, strengthen your brothers. In his early years, Peter, he was arrogant. He was obnoxious. He was cocky. He was inconsistent. You know, in his later years, he grew into this faithful man. He was devoted. He was a very patient leader, and he was bold in what he did. We're talking about the same Peter that walked on water, and then he sank. He failed. We're talking about the same Peter. He was the very first disciple to declare publicly that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. And in that same conversation with Jesus that Peter is saying, you're the Messiah, Jesus turns it on him, and he tells Peter, he says, to get behind me, Satan. Jesus called, Satan, called Peter Satan. And Judas, the man that would betray Peter, was standing there right beside him. I mean, Judas, the man that would betray Jesus, was standing right beside Peter. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. This is the same Peter that emphatically declared that he would never deny Christ. And in his defense, the disciples agreed with him only to hours later to deny Christ three times. And one of those three times was to a little girl. Peter failed time and time again. But he kept examining his faith and he kept growing in his faith. If we fast forward that denial just a few days after it, Jesus, he was, he, he was killed, he was crucified, he died, and he was resurrected. And, and Jesus made a point to set out and to have a special encounter with, with uh, Peter. And in John 21, we read about that. And, and Jesus is, is telling Peter, he's saying, do you love me? Do you love me? And he, he has this conversation with Peter. And Peter says, of course I do. And, and Peter challenges him to feed his sheep. Jesus gives him a purpose to live out. We're in this room today. We're a part of the global body of Christ today because of Peter. He's known as the rock at which the church was built on. Peter redeemed himself. This last Sunday, we celebrated Pentecost Sunday. The guest speaker at Pentecost Sunday was none other than Peter. He's in this room with a hundred some odd men, and they're, they're praying, and they're worshiping, and they're going through this, and he decides to step out to do as Jesus had, had purposed him to do and to preach a message where he saw 3,000 people give their life to Christ. Peter certainly used these trials to grow in his faith, to grow in his shortcomings and to strengthen his faith and change him into, into who God was calling him to be. James, the brother of Jesus, has said it like this in, in James chapter one, to consider it a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Pastor Marty always puts it like this, God never wastes a pain. God never wastes a problem. Trials reveal your faith. The second way that God uses our trials is trials draw us close to God. Verse 8 and 9 in 1 Peter 1 say this. Peter is telling them, he says, you love God even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust in him. Now remember who the people he's writing to. Remember what they're experiencing. He says, and you will rejoice with a glorious and inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Peter lays out right here the gospel story, the good news of Jesus. The good news isn't that Jesus, that God saved us from our trials. The good news is that God saved us from our sins. 
He never said that we wouldn't struggle. He never said that we wouldn't experience hardships or that life would be easier. He never said that just because we're chosen of God that we wouldn't go through these things. In fact, Jesus says the opposite. In John 16, he says it like this. I've told you this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome this world. The good news isn't that God saved us from our trials. The good news is that God saved us from our sins. You know, oftentimes we hear this saying, you know, God's never going to give me too much that I can't handle. He's not going to overwhelm me. He's not going to give me too much that I can't handle that. And, and that's kind of a misinterpretation of a scripture where, where Jesus is talking about uh, being tempted beyond what we can bear. I believe that God will often give us too much that we can bear so that we depend on him. God will allow us to take on more than we can handle because he's waiting there to take our burden. He loves us so much. He loves it when we draw closer to him. And let's be honest, if we have one of those false faiths, when life is good, then we think that we don't need God. We'll just continue to do life without him. There will be times when God will allow you to be weak so that he can be strong for you. There will be times when you find your place in a, a place so low, so low that all you can do is look up and to look to him and to find him and to draw close to him, and God will be good to us, and you will experience that glorious and inexpressible joy. So where does today come from? Where does today come from? As we draw close to God, as we, we look at these ways that, that Jesus is using our trials to grow us in our faith, we look around this world and we see over this last year, we've all experienced difficult moments. We look over this last year and we see that we've all gone through the ups and downs of life and we, we see what we are having to experience. And maybe you're just coming back and you're looking to reconnect with this, with the church. And I want to encourage you to keep moving forward. Maybe you're going through the motions of life just like I was at the turn of the year and, and and God is looking to minister to you and, and to lead you, I want to encourage you to keep taking your steps forward. And maybe you're tired of, of being aimless in your life and tired of, of just not having a rudder in what you're going to do. I want to encourage you to keep moving forward. I was talking with someone this last week and um, you know, we, we, we meet with people regularly and we, we talk through these issues that people are going through. And I was, I was talking with someone and they have lost 12 loved ones since Christmas. How do you go through moments like that without the help of God? How do you go through moments within your family without the Lord reinforcing you, giving you strength? How do you go through these things in, in your life without looking to God for your help. You know, as a small group pastor, I see many people take this ownership. You know, we talk about the, the, the two ways that the trials, re they reveal our faith. Trials draw us close to God. And we go through this and we talk about this. And I've seen so many small group leaders over the past little bit that have done this, that we have a small group leader who they had gone through as a couple they had gone through the process of fostering and an adoption, and they had gone through the ups and downs of that and, and tried to identify how, how they can keep their, their life moving forward to serve these children. And they just understood the weight that it, that it took to carry on that burden. And so they started a small group that helped people like that. 
uh, I met this great woman this last year who's in our church, and her name is Donna. She is fantastic. She moved here this last summer, and in and, and her early months of being here, she said, you know, I've lost my husband. I've lost my son. I've experienced all sorts of grief in life, and I want to help other people through that. I want to help other people as they go through these moments in life, and she started a small group for Grief Share. It's people who take ownership of their trials, that look at their trials, and, and they certainly, our trials reveal our faith, and then our trials draw us closer to God. And as we go through that and we see what God is calling us to do, and, and just like Peter, we learn and we grow and we grow in our faith, and we, we follow God's direction and his purpose for our life. I talked to a gentleman just a couple weeks ago. He's brand new to the Augusta area. He's been a lifelong military guy and he served us so proudly. And as he moved here, he said, you know, each and every stop along the way for me has been so, so difficult for me to connect. It's been so difficult for me to, to find my footing in a new city and, and my family the same way it's been hard for us to connect. And so I wanna take that experience. I wanna take our trials and those, those things that we've gone through and tried to, to connect with local bodies of Christ. And I wanna help serve our military families and start a small group in that same way. Maybe for you, it's starting a small group. Maybe it's, it's being a, a leader within your, your, your workplace or at school or whatever it may be. But God is calling to you to use your trials, to examine your faith, to draw closer to him and to look at how you can live out your life for him. We don't have to suffer through this world. As we're gonna learn as we go through this series, we are God's chosen people. God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose that is far beyond anything that you could dream up or imagine. And he has the best for you in life. And, and if we continue to linger in one of these false faiths or if we continue to, to linger outside of the faith altogether and we don't have our eyes fixed on him and growing into this genuine faith, then we'll never realize that. You are chosen by God and empowered by God to live out this purpose. And you can use your pain, your trials to impact those around you for God's kingdom. Just like Peter says, this is not our home. We are destined for a place that is perfect in every way. And if we embrace our purpose, we can help lead other people to Christ. You know, no, we all have our hurts. We all have our fears. And, and as we get ready to pray and kind of close out that today's message, I want you to think about where you are in the spectrum. Maybe you find yourself in the boat of the false faith. You're in one of those three categories of false faith, like I've found myself many times. And you're living and you're, just, you're tired of going through life aimlessly. You're tired of just going through the motions. And, and you are searching for a genuine faith. And that's why you're in this room today. And that's why you're watching online today, because you know that there's some element of your life that is missing. And you're pursuing this genuine faith. And, and we're going to pray for that in a moment. Maybe you have gone through those Stages, and you have found yourself and you are living life with a genuine faith. Just waking up every day, you are excited to live out your life with a genuine faith. And my challenge to you is to find a way that you can take that trial that you're in, to take that pain that you're experiencing now, or maybe it's a pain that you've experienced in the past, and to use that to help other people as they go through that same or similar pain in their life, to help bring them to the feet of Jesus to experience their own genuine faith. Or maybe you don't find yourself in either one of those. Maybe you're in the, a category all by itself and you're just here out of curiosity. 
Maybe you've been here for a few weeks and you're just checking out Christianity. Or maybe you used to be a follower of Jesus and, and you're back in this room giving it a second shot. Maybe it's this last shot. And you're just saying, what is my next step? It could be just coming back next week and being a part of our, our week two. Pastor Dave has a great week two of our chosen series. Maybe for you it's accepting Christ today and accepting that call on your life that you have a purpose that is so much greater than yourself. Where do you find yourself today? And what step are you going to take? How are you going to move from that place into a greater genuine faith? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come to you today and we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. We thank you for his example that he has lived out and that we get to follow and that we get to see. God, for those of us that are in this room that have no faith, that are questioning our faith, God, I pray that right now that they would just pray with me to accept you as their personal savior. If you wanna make that decision, just pray with me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, be the Lord and savior of my life. God, I pray that you would direct me in my purpose. And God, give me the energy, give me the courage to take this next step and to follow after you. Maybe you're in this room and you find yourself in one of the three areas of false faith. And we want to pray that you would find and identify that false faith within your own spirit and move into a genuine faith. So God, whether it's an inherited, a shallow faith or a conditional faith, God, we pray that you would just uh, burn within us, come alive, with, like we were singing earlier today, come alive within us, God, that we would learn and know what it is that you have for us, that we would follow after you and pursue a genuine faith and that we would look to your word and we would look to your name, that you would bring us glory and that you would bring us under your wings and, and guide us along the way. And maybe we're in this room and you have found a genuine faith and you have a genuine faith. And I just wanna encourage you that you would just pray that you would to live out your purpose to the fullest, that you would take these trials. God, we pray right now that you would take these hurts in our lives, that you would take these trials that are within our life and that you would let us take them and mold us, that we would be able to encourage those that are around us, that we would be able to encourage those those that have experienced similar to keep their eyes on you, that they would be able to grow from these trials and to experience all that you have for them because we are chosen by you, God. We are chosen and purposed by you, Jesus. And today we pray that you would uh, continue to move in our life, continue to speak within our life, continue to work within our life. And God, as we sing out this last song, God, that you would speak within us and rise within us and awaken within us a spirit that follows after you to have a genuine faith. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.